the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back listeners. Today I have Dr. Burt. Dr. Burt is a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who currently practices at the Arizona Sports Medicine Center, ASMC. He recently gave our Phoenix attendees a lecture on FAI, femoral acetabular impingement, and is here today to discuss it with me. Dr. Burt, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you on. Dr. Burt, if we jump ahead a little bit and talk about diagnostic studies, you had touched on this a little bit earlier on. X-rays are the starting point, and I think you had mentioned a modified Dunn view in addition to a, a AP pelvis and a frog lateral. Can you please explain these different exams, what you look for? You had talked about in your presentation different angles, the LCEA, the ACEA, and the alpha angle. Could you please go over that, what you're looking for on the films, your basic set of studies you get, and how do you proceed from there? What are the next steps? Typically, when patients come in, what I'll do is I get three x-rays. I get an AP pelvis, and that's, you know, I want to look at both hips. You got to see the teardrops on both hips. You want to see the inferior rami so that you can measure, for one, look at the joint space. So you want to obviously rule out hip arthritis. So if you have joint space narrowing at all, then, you know, you're, you're kind of going down a different treatment pathway versus somebody who has good joint space or normal joint space. So that's the first thing is just make sure there's no evidence of hip arthritis or joint space narrowing. You're looking at the femoral head to see if there's any avascular necrosis. So that can be femoral head collapse. That can be cystic changes in the femoral head. But you obviously want to rule out fracture. So if you see a fracture line, you know, that's obviously a different way, different treatment pathway as well. With the AP pelvis, what we're doing is uh, we want to look at the lateral centerage angle or LCEA. And the way you measure that is you basically just get your horizontal line by going teardrop to teardrop. And then you want to create a 90 degree vertical line and then put that at the center of the thermal head and then measure the edge of the source seal of the affected side. And that's your lateral center edge angle. And that, can, that normal range is typically 20 to 40 degrees. And so when it's under 20 degrees, you start thinking dysplasia. And so that's possibly a different procedure for that. And then when it's over 40 degrees, what we discussed earlier was the pincer. So that is 40 degrees and over. And then when we, the other imaging we get is called a modified Dunn view. And that's a little bit different than the frog leg laterals. The modified Dunn view is kind of hip flexed up, abducted about 45 degrees. And what we're looking at is trying to get that graded trochanter out of the way. And we're looking at that femoral neck. And typically with that view, we see the cam lesion the best. And so um, what we'll do is measure something called the alpha angle. And what that looks at is our femoral head neck offset. So we're looking at that. We're trying to make our, you, in a, you know, a perfect looking hip is one that has, has, looks like a light bulb on the femoral neck. And so when you're measuring your alpha angle, we're looking at when it kind of dips back down or when it goes from, when it loses its spherosity. So what we'll do is measure that angle called the alpha angle. And anything over 55 degrees um, is considered abnormal for the alpha angle. And then the last x-ray we get is something called a false profile. And that's where the patient stands up at about 45 degrees angles to the x-ray imaging. And uh, we're looking at the anterior acetabulum, and that's called the anterior centerage angle. So then that also we want above 20 degrees. So that's, you measure it very similar to the um, lateral centerage angle. So that's 20 and over is considered normal, under 20 is dysplastic. 
Got it. So that's a great way, what Dr. Bird just described, uh, measuring these different angles to kind of narrow down your diagnosis and kind of plan your treatment. Dr. Bird, do you always get advanced imaging? It sounds like the x-rays with these different angles, you can pretty much narrow it down, but do you need advanced imaging or is that just for surgical planning or is it always warranted? Yes. So you do need advanced imaging. For one, insurance companies will not allow you to perform surgery unless you have an MRI diagnosing a labral tear. So we do need to see that on the MRI in order to get approval. But putting insurance aside, with advanced imaging, we're typically talking about an MRI or an MR arthrogram. So we do need to get that for one. You can be surprised sometimes to find patients will have either a femoral neck fracture that's not seen on x-rays. So it could be a bone marrow edema on the femoral neck, which could be missed if you do not get an MRI. You just look at x-rays. And that obviously has a different treatment plan. The other thing is early stage AVN. So if a cat stage one AVN can have bone marrow edema, but normal x-ray findings, and that's another obviously treatment pathway than labral repair for that problem. So I always get it. The other thing is it can characterize the amount of cartilage wear in the hip. So some patients, especially patients in their 40s and 50s who come to see me with hip pain who have normal radiographs, we can find that they can have full thickness chondral cartilage wear in their hip that is not appreciated on x-rays, but we do see an MRI. So that does give us a different prognosis when we discuss surgery with the patient so that they, they do under, kind of understand that you know, doing labral surgery on somebody who has grade four cartilage wear in certain parts of their hip, that this may not be the last surgery they have. It may be something that will provide them with pain relief, but you know, the longevity of the surgery or the prognosis for surgery will not be as good as somebody who has preserved chondral surfaces with an isolated labral tear. So I think it's very important to get MRI just for that reason, because you're able to characterize the pathology better, which may not be seen as well on x-rays. Perfect. So we covered the the presentation exam and diagnostic studies. Well, we talked a little bit about management, Dr. Burt. You mentioned that you typically will start with some basics for multiple reasons, insurance. And even if you think that they've got this and need the surgery, insurance, you you got to do something. But And you did say there was a subset of patients that got some better with this, but a lot didn't. And you talked about NSAIDs, activity modification, PT, et cetera. How does PT fit into this? If they're impinging, how is that going to improve things? Yeah, great question. So physical therapy, there's two studies out of the UK that looked at physical therapy and they were randomized controlled trials that put patients in either physical therapy or surgery. And they found that surgery patients do better versus just physical therapy alone. But they found a small subset of patients do get better with physical therapy alone. And so for that reason, we still do put everybody in physical therapy. And uh, the rule of thumb is typically about six weeks of physical therapy to see if they get better. Now, the, the philosophy behind physical therapy is you do have the ability to change your pelvic tilt. And so most people sit with an anterior pelvic tilt, so their pelvis is sitting forward. And that can be you know, a lack of core strength leading to um, anterior pelvic tilt. And so patients that do physical therapy, we really focus on, you know, the posterior chain, which is, you know, the glutes and then the, the core muscles. So we're trying to get that pelvis to unlock and tilt more posteriorly and get out of that zone of impingement. So some patients that have not a big cam lesion or patients that are hypermobile and weak, we do see they get a lot better with physical therapy because they're, they have the ability to uh, change the position of their pelvis and get out of that zone of impingement. 
And so I do advocate for uh, physical therapy. And sometimes patients with hypermobility or, you know, ALS Danlos syndrome, I'll really push physical therapy for a while before talking about surgery on patients with that, with those characteristics, just because I think they get, they have the best chance of getting better because of their, for one, just their hypermobility and their hip instability and sometimes, you know, their weakness around their hips. So if you can build up that strength, change that pelvic tilt, unlock that pelvis, you can get them out of that zone impingement. So they do get better uh, to the point where some choose not to have surgery because they feel good enough symptomatically uh, and kind of just continue to do those exercises and maintain their strength. Dr. Bird, what about an injection? What are your thoughts on the diagnostic and therapeutic injection, intraarticular injection, I should say? I, I do injections for uh, patients for one, if they're if they're in a lot of pain, obviously, and they're in they're they're very they're struggling significantly with just daily activities, and they haven't even started physical therapy, and they're having trouble sleeping, then I think a cortisone injection in any age groups very safe to do, and I will do that. Also, if they, you know, if convenience wise, if they say this is not the best time for me to have surgery, I need, you know, I have a bunch of events coming up, I'd like to push off surgery for you know a couple of months. I will do an injection with the understanding that they cannot have surgery within a month of the injection. So I think that's great for de- reducing inflammation, helping them restore range of motion, uh, improve strength. I do do injections though for diagnostic purposes. So I do, you know, w- what I talked about earlier was some patients come in with that hip pain that's not typical. So it's not groin, it's more lateral or posterior hip pain. I will want to do a diagnostic injection on them to see if they get improvement. So we do put lidocaine in with cortisone. We'll inject it into the joint under ultrasound. What I'll do is I'll test them before with the fader and the favor, and then I will test them after that shot, about five to 10 minutes after that shot and see if they get improvement. And if the fader test has improved significantly, then we know that the, the source of the pain is coming from the joint and likely coming from the labrum. The other group of patients that I'll do that on as well is patients who have a normal MRI. So sometimes we do see labral tears that are not picked up on MRI, but all the other exam findings are consistent with the labral tear. Their radiographs are consistent with impingement, but the MRI is not showing it. So then I'll inject. And if they do have a positive response to it, then we know that it's likely a labral tear. So that's kind of a a good reason to use uh, diagnostic injections for those uh, two indications. Listeners, stay tuned for next week when we discuss operative intervention for FAI. Check out our YouTube channel for x-ray measurements that we discuss in the podcast. We'll have a visual there for you that shows how to measure the LCAE, the ACAE, and the alpha angle. Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Please follow the Physician Assistance in Orthopedic Surgery on social media. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Please subscribe to our podcast. If this has been helpful, please take a moment to leave a review.